I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. But on the third day, he rose again. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Most of you know that Caitlin and I recently moved into a new home. And one of the difficult things about moving into a new place is kind of getting everything set up and arranging your space. Uh, and because the layout of our home now is quite a bit different than the home we lived in before, it, it was especially challenging to kind of figure out, man, where do we put stuff? How do we arrange things? I had a particularly difficult time arranging the room that I use as a study. You know, originally I kind of had this idea, all right, the bookshelves are going to go over here, the desk will go over here, I'll put kind of my piano, keyboard, and guitar here, and, you know, kind of have everything in that room. But I kind of got it set up like that, and it was just completely off balance. The bookshelf wall was just looming, and everything else felt really sparse and, and strange. So we shuffled things around and tried to figure it out. Eventually, put the desk in the middle, bookshelf on either side of the desk, and and it kind of balanced everything out. And, oh, this kind of makes sense. All right. Um, and, and that makes sense. The desk right there in the middle, because that's the place where I go, place where I sit, kind of just this, this center piece of the room. And so we're, we're very familiar with this concept when it comes to arranging things or to design, right? Balance is key. And, and whatever is most important you put in the middle, right? You put right there in the center. So if you're designing a birthday cake, well, you put the words happy birthday right in the middle, right? You don't put them on the side of the cake. Or you put them right in the middle. If you're designing a flyer, you put the, the name of the event or the thing you're trying to spread the word about right in the middle so that people see it, right? If you're arranging a room, you put the most important piece in the middle, Right? This just makes sense, right? We, we understand this idea, and this is exactly what the early church had in mind when they formed the words of the Apostles' Creed. Um, you can click the next—this is just an image from the um, book that we have of the Apostles' Creed, and you'll see that right in the middle— they put the most important part. On the third day, he rose again, right at the center of this whole thing. This is the centerpiece of Christian faith. This is what everything in the creed so far has been building toward. And this is what everything that follows flows from. Jesus is alive. This is the good news. This is the good news. The, the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, that we prayed together just a moment ago, 
is true. God's kingdom has come. His will is being done on earth as in heaven. Death is being undone. The king is alive and he reigns. He is risen. So let's read this account together. If you have your Bible and you want to follow along, we'll be reading from Luke chapter 24 this morning. Luke chapter 24. This is Luke's account of the resurrection. We'll be reading verses 1 through 12. Hear the word of the Lord. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they, the women, came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body. And while they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified, and on the third day, rise again. And then they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. They did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. And then he went home, amazed at what had happened. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the gift of life. You are alive. I pray that as we reflect on the words of this text today, that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as we begin to reflect on this text and enter this story, I want to take a moment and just consider the raw experience of Easter. The raw experience of that morning, because both in this passage and the rest of the chapter, Luke uses some really vivid and colorful language to, to describe the experiences that people had in the wake of the resurrection. I mean, look at some of the words that we've just read in this passage. The women were perplexed and terrified. And then they remember and return to tell what, what they've seen. The apostles at first are dismissive. 
and doubting. But then Peter is amazed at what he finds. And all of this, all of these wild emotions after the shock and the grief of Friday and Saturday, what a whirlwind of experience, right? And so as we consider this together today, I want to ask this question. Where do you fit in this story? Where are we in the midst of all of this? What does this news of resurrection strike in us today? And so there really are two scenes in this passage that we've read. In the first scene, the angels share this news of resurrection with the women. And then in the second scene, the women share this news of resurrection with the others. And so let's consider each one of these and and where we fit in to this story. So the first one, uh, the passage begins early on the first day of the week. The women come to the tomb in order to tend to Jesus' body that they assume is still laying there. Because though they can no longer follow him, in in life, perhaps they can care for him in death. So they seek a way to do this. But when they arrive, something is amiss. Something's not quite right. The stone is rolled away. And when they enter, the body is missing. And when they see this, it says they are perplexed. Just imagine how disorienting this experience must be. I mean, they are still reeling from the shock and the horror of the crucifixion, the, the silence and grief of Sabbath, Saturday. I'm sure they are just looking for some means of closure, some, some way to put to rest their own restless and anxious hearts by tending to Jesus' body. Their care for Jesus is undoubtedly also a means of coping with everything that's happened. But then, as they arrive, there's another unexpected event, another strange set of circumstances. Yet again, something has gone wrong. Because first, their Lord had died. And now, he's disappeared. I mean, what was bad seems to have gotten worse. What are we to do? So they were perplexed. How are they going to respond to yet another unexpected turn of events? And then, to, to add to this, all of a sudden, there's this flash of light and two bright, dazzling messengers appear before them. Unsurprisingly, they're terrified. Wouldn't you be if that happened? And then these messengers begin to speak. And I love their words because they ask this penetrating question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And then they go on to say, remember what Jesus told you, that he would be handed over to sinners. He would be crucified 
And on the third day, he would rise again. Remember these words. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? They're saying, look, if you really believed what Jesus told you, well, that's going to change your expectations. That's going to change your expectations about where you find life and where you find death. And I think that this question is also for us today. Because if we truly believe that on the third day he rose again, well, then all of our expectations about life and death are going to be upended. But it's telling where we go to find life and the places that we expect to find death. I mean, I think that this past year has exposed quite a few of our expectations, revealed a lot of our expectations. I mean, we've done all kinds of things to cope with the anxiety, the fear, and the grief of a global pandemic. Substance abuse with drugs and alcohol has increased across the nation, probably the world. Screen time and social media and television has all increased as well. So we kind of zone out and stare at the light in front of us. There are some this past year who have busied themselves while working from home and turned their eight-hour workday into a 10 or 12 or 15 or 24-hour workday. Just get sucked up into that. There are others this past year who've just become reclusive. I stay away from everyone else. Sink in to my own life. Now, you think about all these different things. None of them deserve condemnation. Every one of these responses to this past year deserve compassion. Because every one of these is a means of coping with this wild world that we have been confronted with this year. Each one of these reveals a hole in our hearts. Each one of these reveals that there is an ache that needs to be tended to. And you know, maybe an extra hour of Netflix isn't all that bad. Maybe, you know, a little extra serving of food or glass of wine is not the worst thing in the world. But after a while, these kinds of pursuits, these coping mechanisms, become a search for the living among the dead. A search for life that really only leads to death. Because we're looking for life in the comfort of food and drink or entertainment or work. But each one of these things makes a really lousy savior. And so the angel's question is for us too. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. 
Now, this question that the angels ask not only challenges the the false places where we kind of search for life, I think it also challenges the places where we often expect to find death. Because when they went to the tomb, the women expect to find Jesus dead. But behold, they're met with the news of his life. And so I wonder, what are the places where you expect to find death, but might just be surprised by life when you enter those places? This might be different for different people. You know, some of you busy bodies, because you think that being still is probably as good as being dead. Some of you have had that experience, but I want to challenge you. Try to be still. Be still and know that I am God. Right? You might just be surprised that there is life in the midst of stillness. There can be life in the midst of silence. Even in the solitude of this past year, life can be found. You might just be surprised. I, I want to challenge you if, if you find yourself busying yourself, just moving constantly, try taking a few minutes each day to be still, to quiet your mind, and to rest your attention on the risen Lord. Life just might surprise you in the place that you expect death. Now, others of you are introverts, right? And inter- interacting with other people is what feels like a kind of painful death. Some of you have had that experience, but my challenge to you is to try reaching out, interacting with someone, because where two or more are gathered, there Christ is among them, right? You might just be surprised by life. And extending yourself to others. So maybe strike up a conversation. Reach out to someone, whether a longtime friend who crosses your mind or a stranger six feet in front of you, hopefully in the grocery store, right? Say hello. You might just be surprised at a spark of life where you may expect death. And I think for a lot of culture, church itself seems like a dying thing. Religion is dead, churches are dying, and and COVID in many ways has just given a lot of people an excuse to quietly exit out the back door. But man, surprising things happen when a ragtag bunch of people gather together with crackers and juice and read a bunch of words from an old book surprising things happen. And what seems like might be just a dead ritual becomes the source of life as we experience the living God, the risen Lord, the spirit of life together. And so this question that the angels pose is for us too. Why do you look? For the living, among the dead, 
He is not here. He is risen. Remember what Jesus said. Trust his words. And so I I wonder today, what are the places that you expect to find life or expect to find death? Do you trust Jesus' words? And if so, how might the resurrection challenge those expectations today? How might the resurrection challenge our lives today? And so after the angels finish speaking, it then says that the women remembered Jesus' words and returned from the tomb to tell the eleven and all the rest. But how did the apostles respond? Right? Verse 11 says, These words seemed to them an idle tale. They did not believe them. So I want to point out something. It looks like Thomas was not the only one who doubted. Right? I mean, we always give Thomas a bad rap, but it's all of them. Every one of them is skeptical. That's, that's just an idle tale. What? No way. Right? The women arrive preaching the gospel of the resurrection. But no one responds to their altar call. No one really listens. They're dismissed. They're disbelieved. And just like Thomas needed to see the marks of the nails for himself, Peter has to see the empty tomb for himself. So he goes off running to inspect. And again, expecting to find death these expectations are blown up. And as he leaves the tomb, he is amazed. What do I make of this? What does this mean? And some of you, maybe here today or watching online, might resonate with the skepticism of the apostles. Maybe you're curious about Jesus. You're interested in Jesus. But a lot of this stuff just feels kind of like idle tales. And if that's you, you're not alone. Because before Peter preached at Pentecost, he doubted the resurrection. Before Paul became one of the foremost church planters, he was an adamant church persecutor. But, but, but listen, listen, between Peter's doubt and his preaching, or for Paul, between Paul's persecution and proclamation, something happened. Something happened to transform these guys' lives. And that something is the experience of the risen Lord. So if you have your doubts, that's all right. That's fine. If you're skeptical, that's okay. But don't just dismiss it. Don't just write all of this stuff off. Come inspect the tomb for yourself. Get connected to this strange community called the church. 
you might just be surprised at what you find. Because maybe you think it's death, but life appears. Your life might just be transformed. And ultimately, this is true of all of us. This is true of every last one of us. Whether you're unsure about Jesus or you've grown up following him your entire life, the resurrection is meant to constantly surprise and transform us. We are meant to constantly be perplexed and shocked and amazed at this truth. He has risen. And so I I just want to come back to the words of the creed that we've been considering together. And I want to tell you all plainly, this is true. These words are true. You can hit the next slide. We're going to just look at this one more time together. These words are true. Maybe you've heard it all so many times that it no longer feels perplexing or terrifying or amazing, but all of this is absolutely true. Jesus, God's own son, really was born. He really did take on flesh and dwell among us on earth. He really did suffer under Pontius Pilate. He really was beaten and bruised and nailed to a cross where he really did die and descend to the dead. His body really was buried. All of this really happened. But then, on the third day, Jesus really did rise again. This is true. This is true of the world. This really did happen. The kingdom of God has come to earth. God's will is being done on earth as in heaven. This prayer that we pray, we're joining in what God has already started doing. This is true. The resurrection stands at the center of our faith, and it stands at the center of human history, just as it stands at the center of this creed. Everything in the creed has led up to this moment. He has risen. And everything that follows flows from this truth. It is because of the resurrection that Jesus could ascend to heaven and be seated at the right hand of the Father. It's because of the resurrection that he will come again to judge the living and the dead. It's because of the resurrection that the Holy Spirit fills our lives. It's because of the resurrection that there is a holy church, a communion of saints. It's because 
of the resurrection, that sins can be forgiven. And it's because of Jesus' resurrection that we too will be resurrected one day and live life everlasting. All of this is true. This is at the center of our faith. Just as Kelly said this morning, the resurrection is the hinge of history. Do you believe this? Let your expectations be challenged. And like the women, go and share this news with everyone that has an ear. Let it be known Jesus is alive, regardless of whether they think it's an idle tale or not. Death has been defeated. Jesus is alive. This is true, and it changes everything. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.